Next on BYUSN, Nakua Matata. Puka Nakua, dominant last night in a primetime showdown and is closing in on NFL rookie receiving records. Should Puka now be the front runner for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year? And we'll be joined by BYU football recruiting expert Jeff Hansen to help us take a deep dive into BYU football's ninth-ranked recruiting class in the Big 12 Conference. It's game day for 17th-ranked BYU men's basketball with only two more games left in non-conference. What else can BYU accomplish before they jump into Big 12 play? Plus, how Ali Khalifa's relationship with his sister helped him fall in love with basketball in his journey from Egypt to Provo. Ah uh, yes, what are they calling him now? The Egyptian Magician. And he likes that name. Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Friday, December 22nd. Hope you're enjoying a fantastic holiday season. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who is certainly counting his blessings from all that he has been gifted by the teams of BYU Athletics this year, Jason Shepard. Yes, I count my many blessings, and now I shall name them one by one. No. <laughs> Nicely played. Look, it has been a, it's been a good year. That doesn't mean it's been a perfect year, but look, the blessings that we as BYU fans have received this year with BYU joining the Big 12 are immense. Yes, we got our Christmas present on July 1st, yes. people. Yes, we did. It was Christmas in July. We got the Big 12 invite officially on July 1st, and I think we said as much as we were kidding much. This is the real Christmas, was the Big 12 invite. And so, yeah, it happened at the midway point of the year, but it's all good. You could decide if, if, if certain games were maybe white elephants but uh, <laughs> along the way. but <laughs> Some bad white elephant gifts. <laughs> but all in all, look, look. It's, it was, it's been a fun year, and there's still half of it to go. Yes, you are. And you're fresh off travels with BYU women's basketball. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. That certainly has opened doors for you getting into the Big 12 Conference as well. You know, the voice of women's basketball. Let's go. Let's go. Jason Shepard, ladies and gentlemen. And again, Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, I apologize for the loud sweater. Sort of. Only sort of. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's nice. I would wear that. Would you? I would wear that. You would rock this? Yeah, I would rock that. I appreciate that. I remember that. when you got that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's been a few years. And it's still going. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Having the experience that I have, being able to catch the football and to enjoy this NFL moment has been surreal. Always think I gotta go 100,000 miles per hour to get my job done. You wanna talk about the gift that keeps on giving for the Los Angeles Rams in particular? Jelly of the Month Club? It's Puka Nakua. Oh, he's the big boss, Jason. He's <laughs> giving everybody raises in LA right now. They've won five of the last six games, and Puka has been a huge part of that, including last night and a massive performance against the New Orleans Saints, continuing to take the NFL world by storm. And wouldn't you know, it's the week that we talked to him. We gave him some BYU Sports Nation karma on Sunday. He thanked us for it, and he said, I won't disappoint you. And he certainly did not do that. Nine catches, 164 yards receiving last night, a touchdown as well. And if we look at his body of work, Jason, we now need to legitimately consider that he might be in the running, not just like top three, but he might be the guy that now even C.J. Stroud is chasing yeah. for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. In your opinion, has he done enough to be the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I think he has. And, and right now, and I double-checked, I mean, the, the betting lines still show C.J. Stroud as the favorite 
to to be the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Even though he's missed the last two games. Even though he's missed the last two games. Puka's number two. And to me, based off of what he has done, and look, and I, I understand that, you know, you're, you're, where you're drafted, you know, it, it, maybe, it, maybe it weighs into it, maybe it doesn't. I, I think that's kind of, everyone's going to go into making that decision and use that to however they want. To me, if you're a fifth-round pick and you go into the league and do what Puka has done, to me, that's more impressive than a quarterback who was expected and certainly who we knew about in college, a high draft pick. And he's doing awesome. Something. And he's great. He's yeah, awesome. This is not taking away from what C.J. Stroud has done for his team. No question about it. But I think it's even more impressive when you factor in the fact that Puka was the last pick of the fifth round and has come in and literally taken the league by storm. You had Shohei Otani wearing a Puka Nakua jersey. He's number 17 jersey. I mean, are you kidding me? LeBron James is tweeting at is him. Tweeting at him. He's yeah. talking about how he's a legend already. Like that kind of stuff is just crazy. And and obviously they're not going to factor that kind of stuff in, but it just goes to show you how big of a deal he is in the NFL in his first season. So to me, he absolutely should be considered for that award. It's tougher to be the offensive rookie of the year as a non-quarterback. Like if there's yep. a quarterback that's performing at a high level, almost certainly they will top the charts, which C.J. Stroud is doing. And I have watched C.J. Stroud in person this year against the Saints, yeah. and he was fantastic. He's very good. He's very clutch. The fact that he's missed a couple of games now, however, and for me, like the real like turning point here is if Puka is able to set the NFL record for rookies in catches and receiving yards, and then the Rams make the playoffs, Jason, yeah. To me, that puts him over the top. But he's going to need to have the rookie receiving yards record and the receptions record as well. And guess what? He's probably going to get both now because of what he did last night. He needed 311 yards, I think, going into last night to get that receiving yards mark for a season. Well, he got half of them in one one game. game. And I think he only needs, I want to say, like six or seven catches to become the rookie receptions leader as well. He's got 96. This is and two games still left to go. I know he hasn't scored a ton of touchdowns, but Jason, they're they're paying so much attention to Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. This is the great Cooper Cup we're talking about. Has said defenses have to pay so much attention to him. It's allowed me to reemerge. Yeah. Like I owe Puka some of this because the cheat code that is Cooper Cup has reemerged. <laughs> Because he's got a teammate on the other side or in motion somewhere that defenses have to key on. So it, not only is he putting up remarkable numbers for himself, he's helping his teammates out as well. And not just any teammate, but the great Cooper Cup. Well, I mean, and you talked about how he's helping Cooper. Puka told you that Cooper has been has helped him in learning patience. Um. Patience. That's been the number one thing. Is just to have patience. Um, that's been uh, in the release game, in the run game, especially. I do a lot of insert blocking, so stuff where it's like, okay, the defense might have to go out, or the defense, the defensive end is crashing. So trying to understand the, some of that stuff. So I'm always thinking I got to go 100,000 miles per hour to get my job done. But that's always my thing. Just have patience. Uh, the patience will clear up your picture and make your job just a little bit easier. <laughs> Look, and that's not easy for young players, especially making that jump 
into the pros because everything is moving so fast yes. and, and you want to do everything as quickly as you possibly can. So to be able to slow things down and not just physically, but mentally more than anything else, be able to slow your mind and think through things like that's a big, big deal. And I remember, look, the fact that Cooper Cup missed so much time early on that allowed Puka to emerge using the word that you use in terms of Cooper coming back. Puka was able to emerge in that offense and gain trust from, you know, um, Stafford and and sure. and McVay and everybody. Sure. And and we were all a little concerned. How is Cooper Cup coming back going to going affect, to affect Puka. Puka? And it and it hasn't. It it ultimately really hasn't. And now they've got both of them there, and they really do work great in tandem. How unbelievable is it that BYU has a skill position player as a fifth round draft pick that is in this conversation? Yeah. Like watching the NFL Network and SportsCenter last night and Amazon Prime's postgame, it was all Puka all the time. It was crazy. I had a family Christmas party and all of our eyes were glued to like the three separate TVs on three different channels, but all of them were about Puka Nakua. That's a Christmas party I want to be at. It's unbelievable. So again, if he is the record holder in those multiple categories and the Rams make the playoffs and if C.J. Stroud is not able to reinsert himself as like, the great player he has been this year coming off of injury, maybe the Texans fade out and yeah. they don't make the playoffs, Jason. I don't know how you don't give it to Puka. Uh, the quarterback is always going to have a, yes. a distinct advantage. That is that is and, like, I get it. Yes. By, by nature yes. of the position, you carry so much pressure. But how Puka is impacting the game from a wide receiver standpoint yeah. isn't is just Wild. Like, we've never seen anything like it. Look, you, you, you and I are on the same page with this. And look, there, there is some bias being where we are at BYU and seeing him and knowing who he is and how he plays and liking the guy. But, but the other side of it, too, is this, is this is also based on the numbers. And like you said, if he's able to get that record, that catapults him to, to where – Going well, up not against, just one, multiple records. Yes, multiple records. But it catapults him to, to a level where it could knock off what normally goes to a quarterback. And granted, what C.J. Stroud has done with the Texans, the Texans were not – they have far exceeded expectations on what Houston was expected to do this year. So, unfortunately, I think when it's all said and done, that may trump the situation. So, because you're talking about a quarterback, you're talking about a team that has far exceeded yes, early expectations, yes. and that's usually what gets those types of awards. Well, and he's setting team records as well for the yes, Texans. Yes, exactly. So I, but, but to say that Puka, that we're just being homers, no, 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 no. He has earned the right to be in this position, to, to be a legitimate contender for the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. 147 receiving yards more over two games, and he will be the record holder in that category. Yeah. He's, he's going to do it, Jason. He's going to do it. Yep. McVay's going to make sure he does it. <laughs> There's no I, question. I, I'm sure of it. Yeah. And Stafford as well. Like They will find a way to target him enough that they're going to make him uh, make this a record-breaking year for Puka Nakua. But uh, if he's not number one, he's number two. If Stroud makes the playoffs, ugh, that's going to be that's tough to probably, overcome. That's going to be tough big. to overcome. But if he doesn't and he can't get back after injury – don't be surprised that one Puka Nakua out of BYU or of Utah represent is the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Let's go. Let's it's go. It's unbelievable. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about BYU basketball. Uh, 17th ranked in the country. Two more non-conference games. They host Bellarmine tonight. Mm -hmm. After tonight, then they have one more against Wyoming, and then it's into Big 12 play. 
In your opinion, what is left for BYU to accomplish before they get to that first Big 12 game against Cincinnati? I have to be really nitpicky here. <laughs> I know. You're talking about a team that's 11-1 and one and the metrics are out of this world good. They're a top five team and, well, have a look at Ken Palm today. Are they, are they top seven, top six? Anyway, they're in the top ten. I just 10 saw that. I'm going to get you that Ken answer. Palm. They are a top four team in the net rankings and they're ranked number 17 according to all the media voters. So they have far, far exceeded by a galaxy <laughs> expectations in the non-conference. With that said, Jason, there are a couple of things that I want BYU to try and shore up. Number one, obviously deals with health, and specifically the health of Fusini Traore. BYU is going to need Big Foose once Big 12 play starts. They need him back in the lineup, and I know he's close. It's kind of a weird, nagging injury, but they, they tell me he's close, and What's interesting is Foose is a back-to-the-basket guy, but he's found this unique way to fit into this high-paced three-point shooting offense. And I think more he's an underrated defender, Jason. I want his physicality, his length, and his defense in the lineup for BYU when Cincinnati comes to the Marriott Center on January 6th. Foose, getting healthy to me, is the number one thing that BYU needs to take care of to be ready for the Big 12. And I know that's conditional yeah. on how he feels. It's, uh, it's a fickle thing. But that, that, to me, is like top of the list. Get Foose healthy. Is he ready to go? The second thing, and I don't know how much you can figure out here in the next two games, Jason. Uh, I said 11-1. They're 10-1, but I, they're going to be 11-1. I think they're going to be 12-1. They're going to be 12-1. and right? They're going to be 12-1, yes. yes. Uh, is free throw shooting. Can you, can you simulate a scenario where your team is taking pressure free throws through practice and in games like to just kind of get them out of – uh, somewhat of a funk where they missed a lot of key free throws against Utah. And there were some big missed free throws against NC State as well, even though BYU won that game. How can BYU acclimate better at the free throw line? And specifically, like, I, this is not my, you know, this is not my seat to call out people, but I know, because I've talked to Dallin Hall about this, like, I know he's a little frustrated with what he did at the free throw line against Utah and where he's been this season, but... Yeah, guys like Dallin Hall, you, you just expect them to be better at the free throw line. Like, automatic. We, that's, BYU's been so good shooting the ball overall. When they step to the free throw line where they're free, it's like you're going to make at least 75 or 80% of these. And that's not been the case for BYU. So if I could shore two things up, it would be free throw shooting, get more comfortable, just there's more confidence. Yeah. Especially when you have to go on the road to Baylor on January night. Can you be a little bit more confident at the free throw line? And is Foose available and healthy? Those, that's number one and number two. How about you? Yeah, you and I are on the same page in terms of health, but it, mine is more than just Foose. It's now that, you know, Jackson Robinson was a little bit hobbled. Sure. And we're not 100% sure if we're going to see him tonight. Um, has not practiced. Coach I would Polk be surprised. About, Honestly, I would be surprised if he plays tonight. I, I, don't I, know, I don't know why you need to play him. I do not expect to see Jackson Robinson on yeah. the floor tonight. So, so it's, it's, it's Foose, certainly, because yep. we know he's getting closer to coming back. And, and the hope is just you have him back for Big 12 play. But it's Foose, it's Jackson Robinson. Sure. So those are the guys that, you know, from a health standpoint, that you, you got to get back. And that, that's not something you can work on. That's just something you have to wait out for these guys to get healthy. So in terms of, like, accomplishing it, it's, it doesn't really fall into that category. But it really is the number one thing for both of us. The second thing for me is, and I like what you talked about with free throws, but I'm, I'm going to go a different direction. 
We saw Dawson Baker make his debut in the last game, mm -hmm. played really well. He's expecting to get some minutes tonight as well. Uh, we think Marcus Adams Jr., uh, according to Coach Pope, said we're going we're gonna to give him a shot tonight. So we expect him to make his BYU debut tonight. I want to start to get those guys in these games just to kind of see what they have. Dawson's already got the one game. Tonight should be Marcus's first. I just want to get them in, get some minutes, see how they look, and just try and figure out how they're going to fit in over these next two games. That's, to me, probably the biggest thing I think that they can accomplish on the floor is see what they've got, see where these guys are from a conditioning standpoint, see how they fit in with some of the other guys in terms of in real game experiences. That's really the only other thing outside of get healthy and be ready to go. Locking as, in the rotation. As close to full strength as you can is getting these guys in, see what you got. Yeah, look at the rotation a little bit once you get as close as you can to full strength. Yeah, we asked Cahill Fennell earlier this week what the proper number of a set rotation would look like. And we said, is, is 10 or 11 too many? And he said, straight up, Yes, it's too many, especially when you get into conference Most play. are 9 or 10 at most. So BYU's probably in a position where they could play 10, but that that's the cap. And so that's where a guy like Dawson Baker makes things interesting. But if you have some guys injured, it's always nice to have an 11th dude that is experienced and ready and capable immediately to come off the bench and contribute. And a guy that's like, okay, I've been here, I've done this. I don't know who that 11th guy would be or who the 12th guy would be, Jason. But BYU is in a position where they're going to have one or two guys, if they limit this rotation to 9 or 10, that are probably going to be a little frustrated about sitting on the bench. But that just comes with the territory. Yeah. Just, like, it's part of the deal. Like, I know you're frustrated. Like, this is to motivate you in practice. and Maybe you work your way back into that main rotation. But like, there, there are going to be one or two guys that are frustrated if Dawson Baker really emerges and shows them. Because he's too valuable and too good to not have on the floor. How do they do that? This this is you know, and, and Coach Fennell had jokes like, "I'm glad I'm not Mark Pope. Like he's the he's the one that has to figure." It's that easier out. to make those decisions when you're winning too, because like it's you've got a winning formula. Things have worked well to this point. So you know, if 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 the team wasn't doing well, that you can sort of move things around and maybe extend your rotation a little bit. But but there's to a certain extent you you don't want to yeah. mess with what you've got so yes. far. So you have to be very very careful on how you implement guys and how many minutes you get and what rotations get shifted around. So and th but those are all those are all really good problems to have when you've got a lot of good players that are able to get on the floor. How do you keep everybody happy? You probably don't. <laughs> but we have heard a ton about how this team's all bought in on winning. Yes. Doesn't matter. I'll play whatever yes. role you need me to play. If that's a bench bench player, bench supporter, I'm only playing three or four minutes a game. I'll do it. We've heard that. Chemistry has been brought up in almost every one of my pregame interviews that I've done for, for radio yeah. for these games. Every single player talks about how good the chemistry is on this roster. Okay. Well, we're going to see it. There's going to be some frustration. We'll see how bought in they are. And I, like, we all believe that this team truly is going to do what they say they are. And that is like, look, if i got to sit on the bench, i got to sit on the bench. Yep. All right, our question of the day. We're talking about gifts off the top of the show. We mentioned the great gift on July 1st, BYU's official inclusion in the Big 12 Conference. Christmas came six months early. It, it really did. But we're asking you, year-long, what was the best gift that BYU Athletics gave you in the last calendar year? And what will you be asking for this year? Double-barreled question. Mike Perkins on Instagram said, women's soccer versus North Carolina was the best gift that was given to him. Hard to argue with that one. 
He said, indeed, really hard to top that. So glad I was there. He didn't even ask for anything in the future. It was just so, it's like, he's, yeah, he's so content so, with I'm, what he's I'm had good. already. I don't need anything else. Tyson Clare Price on Facebook. BYU men's basketball having a great start to their season. Hopefully their success will continue into the Big 12 conference play and get some upsets in Big 12 play. Okay, so the gift has been non-conference. What he wants is can BYU pull off some of those upsets in the Big 12, notably at Baylor, and then when Houston and Texas come to the Marriott Center. The place, the place is going to be out of control. Well, what, what this start has also done, BYU is not sneaking up on anybody in the Big 12 this year. I love Especially it. based on this BYU start. BYU could be a dark horse. It's like, I don't know that they qualify as a dark They're horse not, anymore. Not a dark horse. I have to look up the definition of that. <laughs> they are a bright, shining light <laughs> right now. Everybody knows where they are and what they're doing. Hashtag BYUS on an X, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, we were just talking about it. Number 17, BYU basketball hosting Bellarmine tonight. Pre-game coverage begins at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio, followed by the game at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and the radio call on BYU Radio. We're roughly 48 hours removed from National Signing Day for BYU football. So now that we've had a couple of days to process it all, and certainly our next guest, Jeff Hansen, has, how good was the class really? He'll answer that and more next. Reiner is everything you look for in a tight end. He's accurate and has a strong arm. He is a disruptor. It's another Nakua. Love we, it. We say more. B, this is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. Happy holidays, everyone. Joining us now is a man who's about to present some gifts of his own, <laughs> specifically insight into just how good this BYU football recruiting class really is. He is Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports, friend of the program. Jeff, Merry Christmas. Great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. Likewise, gentlemen. Happy to be here. All right, let's dive in the numbers, uh, specifically BYU's composite score, their overall rating. How would you assess, maybe if you were to give BYU a grade in this recruiting class, where would you put that percentage and the, uh, the associated grade with that? Yeah, so there's, there's two scales to grade on. Uh, with the, the comparison to the rest of the Big 12, it's still not where it needs to be. I mean, BYU's in year one. You wouldn't expect them to be humming and recruiting like they've been there forever. So they've still got another stride to make. So in that respect, yeah, it's probably a B minus maybe. Okay. But when you compare it to where BYU was a year ago, where BYU was five years ago, the strides that they made this year are huge. It feels like BYU took two or three years worth of recruiting strides in this class. So still a ways to go. But if they can make another jump like they did this year and do that again in the class of 2025 and then again in 2026, you're talking about BYU becoming one of the better recruiting schools in the conference and really competing for Big 12 championships. So relative to where they've been, I mean, this is a this is a B plus A minus type grade. This is a really, really good class. So, Jeff, what's the reason behind that? Why do you think it has taken such a large jump? Is it solely because of the Big 12? Is it the, the addition of Jay Hill to the recruiting staff? Is it all of the above? Why, why do you feel like they've taken such a large leap from one year to the next? You know, I think it is a little bit of everything. And you mentioned Jay Hill. I think the confidence that Jay Hill brings to the recruiting trail 
really kind of permeated throughout the entire coaching staff. You heard Kalani talk about it uh, uh, both in his press conference and then in other media outlets that in the past going through independence, he was even transparent enough to say they, they kind of did some low hanging fruit recruiting. They got focused on developmental type players because they had to, they didn't have all of the benefits that a, a power school power conference brings with that behind them. And then with Jay Hill and his energy coming into the program, there was a quiet confidence from this coaching staff throughout the cycle this year that, Hey, we can recruit against anybody. And it resulted in flipping guys who were committed from power five schools. They, they flipped them close to signing day. That's a big deal. And BYU is still not done, right? This was the early signing period. There's still more good players to come. I think that that is the, the biggest thing that Jay Hill brought and really Kalani had it all along, but the big 12, the new coaching staff, they brought some confidence and swagger to the recruiting trail that BYU sat down in the houses, you know, with, with families and with these recruits. And they thought, Hey, look, you, you want to be here. Even if you have other options, we're a good option and you want to be here. And they recruited with that swagger. It was, it was fun to see. Jeff Hansen of 24 seven sports, the BYU football recruiting expert is on BYU sports nation. I know you've been asked this question multiple times and specifically on this show, but let's explain it again because I think there's still some confusion about, well, what's the average star that the BYU recruit in this signing class had compared to the overall composite score? Clearly, BYU coaches are more focused on the overall composite score, but why is that compared to just the straight star system, Jeff? Yeah, so the way that, the, that we do it on 24-7 sports is it's, a, it's really kind of a 60 to 100 scale, right? And a four-star recruit is anybody who's 90 to 96. And then 97 and above is a five-star recruit. Anybody from 80 to 89 is a three-star. So really, you could get a three-star recruit who's rated an 80. They're just one step above a two-star recruit. Or you can get a three-star recruit who's knocking on the door of four-star status rated an 88 or an 89. Because of just the way that the numbers work and there's not a uniform uh, scoring system across every platform, you kind of have to look at what those those stars mean. Five stars isn't really enough. You really need like eight stars to really get to the, to the <laughs> be able to divide it up and say, yeah, this is a three star guy, but he's kind of a low three star guy versus a this is a three star guy who was knocking on the door uh, of being four star where everybody starts fawning over him as a, a blue chip type of a player. Uh, BYU continues to trend in the right direction in that composite score rating. Uh, it's still, like I said before, it, it's not quite where they need to be to get to like Big 12 championship type levels, but it's a big step from where they were a few years ago, and it continues to point in the right direction. All right, the composite score is right around 86. Where does it need to be for BYU, in your opinion, to compete for a Big 12 championship? Yeah, you look at Utah, right? That's the easiest school to look at, and we're all kind of probably sort of paying attention anyways. Uh, they're at about 87, 87 and a half, and they're starting to compete for, you know, Pac-12 championships. And I think that that's the ballpark. I think BYU, with the nature of missions and how many guys are coming back and, and, and I guess just the extended life cycle of a player on the roster, it's not, a, you know, there's a threshold of, oh, 87 is going to happen. Now BYU is a championship team. But that's the ballpark that BYU needs to be in. If they could just increase it, keep going on the pace, the pace that they're on, then they're right there in the next couple of years. 
Jeff, you mentioned how BYU was able to get a couple of guys to flip from previous commitments at other schools, and everybody loves that. People love when, when, they, when they think they're out and then they're able to, to bring somebody in. It gets them excited. Um, who's maybe the biggest surprise that BYU was able to sign? Is there, is there somebody, whether it was a flip or maybe just a late commit, that maybe you weren't 100% sure and you got him and it was a big deal? Who was the biggest surprise in your opinion? Uh, for me, it's Danny Saili, and he was a flip, but I, I was happy to celebrate flipness a little bit earlier this week <laughs> because Danny Saili, man, he's a big deal. He was committed to Oklahoma originally and then to Texas Tech. Uh, we Most people, I didn't know that he even had an offer and was being actively recruited by BYU up until he showed up on a visit and then flipped his commitment just a couple of days later. He's a mountain of a human being. It's really easy to look at him and say, whoa, BYU found another Kairos Tonga yep. because that's that's who he is. He's 355 pounds. He's 6'3". Uh, if he wanted to pick me up and just chuck me down the field like a javelin, I mean, that's the kind of guy that he is. <laughs> Uh, BYU struggled stopping the run. They got bullied a little bit on the defensive line. Saili's not going to be bullied by anybody. Uh, so that was a big, uh, it was a big surprise, but also a huge addition for, for the class immediately for, for the roster in 2024. Jeff Hansen is with us on BYU Sports Nation, breaking down the BYU football recruiting class. Who's the under the radar signing that has you excited, Jeff? And maybe the guy that's like, see, I told you this dude was going to be awesome. Uh, for me, it's it's Tommy Prassus. Uh, really? Nobody's really talking about him, but you look at the construct of the BYU roster right now in the safety position, especially coming out of this last year where there were so many injuries at the safety spot. Most of BYU safeties right now are strong safeties. I mean, Preston Rex is kind of the only guy that I look at and say he's probably a free safety. And even Preston Rex, I think, could go either way. BYU doesn't have very many true frees on the roster right now. Tommy Prassus is a guy who's a true free safety. I think the opportunity for very early playing time is going to be there for Tommy. And what I know about Jay Hill, following him closely at Weber State, Football IQ is the number one most important thing for him when he gets a free safety onto the field. He wants somebody who's going to be in the right spot every single time. Tommy Prassus is one of the smartest football players in this class. One of the smartest football players that I've covered coming out of high school. Wow. I think because of that, he's going to have an opportunity to, to get on the field very early. And people are going to be wondering, how did this you know low three-star guy get on the field so soon? Opportunity is there, and he is incredibly bright and he makes enough football plays that I think he's going to earn time. You know, Jeff, I know it will surprise you, but people do care about BYU quarterbacks. Uh, and the Cougars <laughs> did sign uh, a couple of quarterbacks out of high school. What, what's, what's been your thought on, on the, the recruitment of the quarterbacks and now bringing them into this program? Well, I'll start with Noah Lugo because he, he'll join right away. Uh, somebody asked me this week if, who I thought could help win games next year. And I think it's Noah Lugo. Now, I don't think he's an elite passer today. I think he's got some work to do. His arm strength needs to improve. But one thing that he is on day one is he is as elite of an athlete that we will see at the quarterback position. We don't, I mean, he's, not, he's not Taysom Hill, but he is a phenomenal athlete. He's a hurdler. He can run. And I think with BYU's offensive scheme and the physicality that a new offensive line coach and TJ Woods is going to bring, I think that this coaching staff can scheme wins with a guy like Noah Lugo, 
even early on because of what he brings to the table. Still has to develop as a passer. He'll have to improve. It would not look like traditional BYU football if Lugo's in there as a true freshman, but I think he has the ability to carry an offense and, and he, he plays with some swagger too. And then BYU signed Enoch Watson. I love Enoch Watson. I love so much about Enoch Watson. The best thing that he did was transfer into that American Leadership uh, Academy program with Max Hall, with Ty Detmer. He got elite coaching in high school and, and really, really took off as a senior. He'll go on a mission. And then when he comes back, as soon as he's able to shake off that mission rust, I think he'll compete for time. He's a pretty special athlete, too. He's the little brother of Pearson Watson, who signed a couple of years ago. Uh, BYU is in his blood, and, and athleticism is right there. All right, Jeff, uh, as we close out, need to ask you, who is on your list for immediate impact players? I believe that you're going to say Danny Saili, but who else is there for immediate impact players in this class? Yes, yeah, so, uh, Reiner Swanson looks ready to play today. If you see him, I mean, his hands are huge. He's got deltoids on his arm. Like people <laughs> who are 245 pounds aren't like built and shaped and cut like Reiner Swanson is. He looks like he's NFL body ready. And he's still only 17 years old. He's still just young. I mean, even for a senior in high school, he's young. Uh, he's ready to go, I think, right away. Uh, and there will be need, right? There will be opportunity. That, that's one of the biggest things. It's sort of like fantasy football, trying to guess who's going to play early on. You've got to find somebody who's going to get the opportunity and, and where there's a roster need. And with Isaac Rex leaving, there's some guys in the room. Uh, Jackson Bauer certainly is going to be there. Uh, Ethan Erickson got some reps as well. But Ryder Swanson's going to have an opportunity to come in, impress during spring ball, and then earn playing time later this fall. And physically, he's ready to go today. Great stuff, Jeff. We appreciate the time as always. I need you to do me a favor, and maybe this is my Christmas ask from you. I need to know <laughs> if there's anything to the conspiracy theory that when BYU offers a recruit, they drop a star. Okay? I, mean, I, I need to know. Spencer. You know I'm a sucker for a conspiracy theory. <laughs> if there's anybody who's going to cons support a conspiracy theory, it's me. But I can tell you, this one, this one we can debunk. There's no conspiracy. There's no conspiracy. It does there's not, not. Does I not wish happen there was. that way. <laughs> if there was, man, I'd get the tinfoil right now and we'd, we'd go to town. Oh, fair enough. Jeff, Merry Christmas, man. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports on the BYU football recruiting class. Dang it, I wanted that conspiracy theory to be true. Look, I'm look, we not only can give you the information, but we can debunk conspiracy <laughs> theories on this pro on this show. <laughs> All right. On this week's Cougar Tailgate podcast, Lauren McLean and the crew discuss the best wins of the Mark Pope era, and you can find it anywhere that you get your podcast. How about this question? Do we want the Big 12 to go after another Florida team in conference expansion? What if I told you it was the Seminoles? This is BYU Sports Nation. Can we make a trade? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for Do content it. throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jason Shepard. We approach Christmas. This is the time of giving, Jason, and we are about to give you all of the Friday headlines. Number 17, BYU men's basketball hosting Bellarmine tonight at the Marriott Center. 10-1 Cougars look to win their third straight game while Bellarmine's coming off a loss at Utah earlier in the week. 
Pre-game coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern time on both BYU TV and BYU Radio, followed by the game at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus as well as BYU Radio. Cougs are a 25-point favorite last I saw. <laughs> Woo! BYU women's basketball wraps up non-conference play with a nice win against Nevada, 72-59 a game. You called, Jason. They're 10-3 this season. The Cougars led by Lauren Gustin's 23 points and 13 rebounds and another double-double. How many does she have in her career now? It's like 67. We're pushing 70, right? Yeah, she's, yeah. she's, she's close to 70. Kaylee Wilson. She'll get that within the first oh, couple of Big 12 she's games. She's unbelievable. Kaylee Wilson, Amari Whiting, and Lauren Davenport also scoring in double figures. Up next, BYU opens up Big 12 play at TCU next Saturday, December 30th. Off to Panther City. Let's go. Apparently, Fort Worth is nicknamed Panther City. I just found that out this morning. Pack your bags for barbecue in Fort Worth. There we go. Mmm, delicious. Puka Nakua caught nine passes for 164 yards and a touchdown. He also rushed for 16 yards in a Rams win over the Saints, 30 to 22. Puka moves into second in the NFL in receiving yards with 1,327, and he's fifth in receptions with 96. Both are also single season records for a BYU player, breaking Todd Christensen's record. Rookie of the year! The 1327 yards is the fourth most receiving yards by a rookie receiver in NFL history. He's gonna break the record, two games He's left. So good. On the other side of things, Taysom Hill had just two carries for two yards. What the heck? I know what, give Taysom the ball. And uh, Jamal Williams, two carries for eight yards. He also had a catch for five yards for the Saints in the loss. On to more Cougars in the NFL news. Zach Wilson has been ruled out for the New York Jets. Did not clear concussion protocol, so he will sit. The Jets host Dax Milne and the Washington Commanders on Sunday. Fred Warner and the 49ers host Kyle Van Noy and the Baltimore Ravens. Huge game on Christmas Day. Tyler Algier on the Falcons. Hanging on to fleeting playoff hopes, they take on Blake Freeland and the Colts. Jaron Hall, Kairos Tonga, and the Minnesota Vikings will face the Detroit Lions. Elsewhere, Sione Takitaki and the Cleveland Browns play the Houston Texans. Michael Davis and the Chargers hosting the Buffalo Bills. Chris Brooks and the Dolphins play the Cowboys. And Zane Anderson and the Green Bay Packers taking on the Carolina Panthers. Mel Kuyper's updated position rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft feature Kingsley Suomataia as the eighth best offensive tackle prospect. He is still a second round projection. Ryan Rico, the fourth best punter available on Kuiper's list. And BYU women's soccer signs Matten Summers, a transfer from St. Louis. The Saratoga Springs, Utah native played one year at SLU before serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. During her 2021 season with the Billikens, Summers played in 21 games, starting four of them. She tallied three goals, two assists, and 23 shots during her freshman season. It's a good program in St. Louis. Yeah. They played BYU this year in the BYU beat game. Yep. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Kruger Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, last night Mark Pope said he expects to play Marcus Adams Jr. for, quote, a couple of minutes tonight against Bellarmine. What are your expectations for, uh, for Marcus tonight? At least three field goal attempts. He's going to make at least one of those and it'll probably be the loudest cheer of the night in the Marriott Center when he enters the game. What yeah. about you? I, I don't have any expectation. My only expectation, I just want to see him on the floor. That's, that's all. Anything he gives from that point right. on, love it. BYU women's basketball finished with non-conference play, 10-3 record. Jason, did they overachieve with 10-3 considering everything the Cougars have had to overcome this season with injuries and the departure of Nani Falatea from the team? 
Um, probably a little bit based off of, of where they were at least picked early on. But but this this team is really good. And then you throw into the fact what they've gone through and they've, they've missed some players here and there and implementing freshmen in your backcourt. And they've got a 10 and three record. They, they are a very good team. I'm excited to see this team in Big 12 play. Yeah, I was probably expecting eight or nine wins in the non-conference. They got 10, so by nature of that, they overachieved. Yes. And then when you throw in that they don't have Nani Falatea and Ari Mackey-Williams playing, yeah, absolutely. All right, yesterday, Brett McMurphy reported the following, saying that Florida State starting the process of leaving the ACC. Uh, that, and this is all, by the way, going on now. While we're doing this show, it's becoming more and more uh, that they're trying to get out of the ACC with an uh, Oppenheimer-like ripple effect Whoa. throughout college landscape. He's saying that as of one um, big, big, one of the biggest TV brands, FSU could land in the Big Ten or SEC, and if those aren't options, possibly the Big 12. Would you like to see the Big 12 make a push for Florida a State? A million percent, yes. Like, give UCF uh, a second Florida school, bring in Clemson, whoever. If you want basketball, my gosh, uh, Duke, North Carolina, you want to add those teams yeah. to the Big 12? I don't know if it's going to break up the whole ACC, but as far as Florida State is concerned, yes. Give UCF a Florida travel partner of sorts. See what else happens. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to slide to the Big 12. I think the Big 10 or the Agreed. SEC would come in and scoop them up. Yeah, if you can get Florida State, yeah. great. If you can get a second team with them, even better. Make it you make it even. If you got to kick somebody out, we'll kick out Utah. Florida State filed a $130 million lawsuit against the ACC. Like they're, it's it's gonna get messy and ugly. Yeah, sure. it's 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 going to get worse before it gets better. All right, on the latest Her Why podcast, Lauren McLean is joined by BYU swimmer Annie Robinson, and they discuss being the daughter of a coach, being cut as a freshman, and moving nine times while growing up. You can find it anywhere that you get your podcasts. After the break, we take a close look into the Egyptian magician Ali Khalifa, and his interesting journey from Egypt to Provo, Utah. Deep Blue next with Ali. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. We now turn our attention to this week's Deep Blue feature and it features none other than the Egyptian magician Ali Khalifa. The BYU basketball big man is making a huge impact. His sister Nesma inspired and supported him to even pick up the basketball and really play it. Now the game has taken Ali from Egypt to Australia to Charlotte, North Carolina, and here now in Provo at BYU where he is finding success and more support from family and his new teammates. This is Deep Blue with Ali Khalifa. Ali did not like basketball at the beginning. <laughs> we started playing basketball because I was tall. We started playing one-on-one -on -one every day, getting each other better. Obviously, I thank God that I was a little taller than everybody else, so it was kind of an escape from the reality we were living at. I go practice, I finish practice, then I sit with him, teach him how to like shoot. Then he started liking basketball. Me and my sister have obviously very strong relationship right now because what we've been through when we were younger. Growing up in Alexandria, Egypt, we weren't very financially stable. I remember one time, it was me, my sister, and my mom, we had practice. We were going back to get in the tram, and my mom didn't have the money for us to get on the tram, and the guy kicked us out of the tram, even though it was really cheap. I was, you know, I was there, like, I was just looking, like, what my mom gonna do? 
my mom was like shouting at the guy, like we had to get off and walk all the way home. That was like an hour walk. And at that moment, when, when that happened to my mom, I was feeling angry and sad at the same time. I was mainly very angry at the guy. I, I was so young, I couldn't do anything. We had each other to lean on and like each other to keep like, keep it going. Like we're not gonna focus on that. Our dream was being better than anyone else. Being the first that like people to graduate in our family. And we knew basketball would take us there. So we just focused on our dream. Two working parents that did everything they can to be able to support him and his sister in their basketball dreams. They sacrificed a lot. My dad, he obviously started a very low job, didn't make a ton of money, and he stuck with it, obviously, and even though it was really hard for him. He did everything for us. I would, like I said, I wouldn't see him for five days to a week. Just He's just working just for us. Years after you think about it, you're like, wow, like, dad was working really hard for us, and we didn't know it till now because it all paid off. After we scouted him, I think he was 16 years old, uh, he was given an incredible opportunity to join the NBA Academy in Australia. It was hard in the beginning. He was homesick at times. He struggled with communication, so was still learning English. His English wasn't great. If you see him today, you would never think that this is a guy, you know, five, six years ago, wasn't speaking any English. Extremely, extremely smart, extremely willing to learn uh, and just you know, has a hunger to get better each and every single day, both on the court and off the court. Uh, I think he lends a perspective from his life experience, which is really unique coming from Egypt, obviously living in Australia for a long time, going to school at UNC Charlotte in North Carolina. He was the player that would run on the floor and all the student section would go crazy. He won the Freshman of the Year award while he was there, and he, he proved to be one of the most effective and talented and skills bigs in the country. He was ready for a bigger challenge, and he was ready to play at a, at, at a different level of basketball. And as we were going through the recruiting process, there was some critical things that he was looking for. I feel like the most challenging year in my life, mentally, I feel like it was this year. Like before I came, I feel like I was in an empty space, and I feel like I couldn't drive myself to get better and keep this positive energy and positive mindset. We never really asked for help when we were younger. It's kind of a pride thing that I would just go through it myself, but I feel like, especially mentally, you really, you really can. You need to ask for help, and I feel like that's my, one of my biggest reasons why I'm here at BYU today. Nobody knows Ali like I do, so I know how much he grew. Seeing him like happy and like just active with everybody else, he was always like shy, and he was always, I'm not gonna say if that bothers me, type of person. But he he changed a lot. He grew a lot. Ali Khalifa is one of the most unique basketball players and unique individuals in a brilliant way that, that we've probably ever had here at BYU. He has uh, got about the kindest heart of anybody you'll ever meet. For him to go from one country to here and adapt and have a great career and then now come here, I think it's a true test to his character and his ability to adapt to any type of situation. And I think he's done a really good job of that so far with our group. I mean, as an international student, it's already extremely difficult being so far away from home. And what he's found at BYU is he's found the closest thing um, that he can call home away from home. So for me and for Ali and for the family, you know that you're at your best when you feel safe and you feel home and you feel supported. And BYU and the whole BYU community has been nothing but amazing and just welcoming Ali with open 
open arms and making him feel like he's a huge part of the community, not only the basketball team, but the entire uh, Provo community. I'm very, very proud of him, and I'm just excited to see what future have for him. And I know it's, he's gonna, he's gonna rock it. I know he's the goat. So. So glad to have Ali in Provo and what an impact he is making. His ability to share in the season of giving, yes, Jason, yes. has been elite. He is more excited about an assist than scoring. He loves to pass the ball, and you know as well as I do, players love to play with guys that want to pass. Well, 30, what is it, 30 assists yeah. and two turnovers now? It's a pretty, as, good, as a it's pretty good ratio. 15 there. to 1 assist to turnover yeah. ratio. Yeah. <laughs> we'll all take that, absolutely. All right, if you miss any deep blues like that one, interviews, trending topics, or any other BYU Sports Nation content, you can always find it on BYUSN.com. Christmas just three days away, so what's the best gift that BYU Athletics gave you last year, and what are you asking for this year? This is BYUSN. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. All you need to do is download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. And while you're there, we hope that you will subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, what was the best gift BYU Athletics gave you in the last year? And what are you asking for this year? Caleb McCann on Instagram says the best gift was BYU football's win over Cincinnati. Magical night to open up Big 12 play at LES for the home opener of a new era. My only wish is now for BYU men's basketball to make the NCAA tournament. Okay. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Kyle Nelson on Instagram who says this, Jason, the best gift from BYU sports is always the time spent watching them with friends and family. It connects me with strangers at an airport or a friend I haven't seen in years. Love this. So please, next year, keep giving us reasons to watch and things to talk about and an undefeated record against Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. One word, Puka. Oh, man. He deserves it. What a season he's having. And to all of you who support and make our show great with your interactions, Merry Christmas to everyone across BYU Sports Nation. And our thanks to today's guest, Jeff Hansen. Conversation continues 24-7 on social media. Find more at BYUSN.com. For the fabulous Jason Shepard, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Hafa Arujo. We'll see you tonight for pregame coverage of BYU basketball on BYU TV, ESPN Plus, and BYU Radio at 8 Eastern. Go Kooks! <laughs>